And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz. And tonight we are in episode number 596. 596 episodes. And tonight we're going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. So grab your Bible. I have an ESV in front of me, a King James Bible and an NLT over here. And we're going to look at this portion of Proverbs chapter 24 tonight here on G220 Radio. I'm, I'm so thankful that for those that are, are joining us who may tune in later, uh, we, we hope that this program will be edifying, encouraging, challenging, uplifting, and that it will cause you to desire to get into the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to look at the, the wisdom literature that is before us here in the book of Proverbs. Uh, man, there's so much we can glean from. And like I said, we are in chapter 24, which means we've done 23 chapters already of the book of Proverbs. And so you can go back and look at those past episodes. You can go to our YouTube channel uh, or over on our Facebook page and try to find them there. But better probably to do it through YouTube uh, because then you can go and look through the playlists and go through that book of Proverbs. Uh, also, you can do so by going to Podbean or any of the podcast catchers that are out there and look up G220 Radio, and you should be able to find these episodes there as well. Okay, so we are going to get into this tonight. Like I said, we got 12 verses. Uh, I'm by myself, so we may go a little faster than uh, normally if, if Mike is with me and, and we're both uh, interacting and, and discussing uh, these verses. It, it may take a little longer time, and so being by myself, we may get through 12 verses quickly. Probably not, but we may. We may, and so um, so let me see here. Let me mess with my... All right. Okay, so hopefully the sound is better. I'm trying to check check out the sound because I'm trying to keep my mic up here a little bit um, and uh, trying to uh, do that. Um, but yeah, we are trying here to go through this chapter of Proverbs. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. Uh, let's pray uh, quickly here um, for this program here tonight. Uh, gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this podcast here this evening, uh, that we can look into your book of Proverbs, this wisdom literature. Help us to glean from it that which you would want us to glean. Uh, help us to take away uh, the truths that are, are there, that are found there. Help us to see them. Uh, help us to apply these things to our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to get into Proverbs. Here we go, Proverbs. So verse one, Proverbs chapter 24, verse one and two, we're going to do these two together. It says, be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. So when we, when we think about this and we consider this and, and, and reading over here in the NLT, it says, do not envy evil people. Do not envy evil people uh, or desire their company for their hearts plot violence and their words always stir up trouble. Th th these are the types of individuals who you, you begin to know their character. 
based upon the way that they they behave, based upon the way in which they carry themselves, right? So uh, your your company is very important. So when you're envious of evil men and you desire to be with them, you're setting yourself up to be in a company of fools, in a company of, of those who are evil, that are seeking to do mischievous things, uh, desiring to do evil. And so therefore, by doing so, um, you then become a companion of fools. Uh, one bad apple spoils a bunch, right? And so Proverbs here is telling us, don't be envious of these evil men. Sometimes we, we see people that do evil, do horrendous things, wicked things to gain uh, fame, to gain uh, money, whatever it may be. And sometimes we, we, we can look at people and kind of envy that and want that and desire that. Uh, when in reality, we shouldn't be envious of the evil people, uh, those who do evil, because uh, God will judge. Ultimately, God will judge when it comes to the end. And, and we've also talked about on Proverbs before uh, the way in which men seek to gain these riches or gain fame, right? So we, we should never envy the evil man. Don't be envious of an evil man. Uh, we, we should seek to stay away from these types of individuals. It says, uh, for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. How many how many of you can say that you can you know that you've been in interactions with people that are this type of individual and they just keep on talking? They don't know how to be quiet, right? Where there's a multitude of words, you're going to have some problems. People that just do are unable to be quiet and they talk of trouble and they get themselves in trouble, as it said over here in the, the NLT. It said uh, their words are always stirring up trouble. They stir up trouble. They're always looking to be divisive, looking to be contentious, looking to, to stir up strife. Uh, be aware of these kinds of people. Don't envy these kinds of people for their platform, maybe their finances. Uh, don't envy them. Uh, these people devise violence. They stir up strife. They're always talking, causing trouble. Not something we... Uh, would want to desire or be a part of. The King James says, Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. Okay? Neither desire to be with them. Because the, a young man's a young man's peers can be a threat to his morality. And, and so you have to be very careful the company that you keep. This is why parents often speak to their children about their friends and why it is important to, to, to choose your friends wisely, to choose them wisely. All right, so we move on here to verse three and four going together as well. Like I said, we may get through this pretty fast, probably not 15 minutes. I don't think we've ever done a show that fast, um, but we may not even have to go a whole hour uh, because it's just one man here uh, doing some talking. Uh, about these scriptures. So by wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established by knowledge. The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. 
Let me mess with my audio here because I want to be able to hear properly. Hopefully my sound is still good. That's the negative of not having um, a co-host uh, because then you're not sure if uh, the sound is coming through clearly. All right, so verses three and four, as I said, by wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The King James says in verses three and four, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding it is established and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The NLC, let's grab that over here and read that as well. Looking at some of these different translations tonight, uh, since it's just me by myself, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. So one who exercises wisdom, by the wisdom, their house is built. So your house, you think of where you live. When you move in, it's empty, right? You have nothing there. And then over the years, you accumulate things. You, you, you begin to feel, fill your house with um, some material blessings, you, you know, maybe a, a bed and, and, and a couch, somewhere to sit, a table to eat. Um, and not just with these material things, but it begins to fill with family. You're a young family, you move into your first home, and then you start having children, uh, and you begin to fill the house, right? So by wisdom, this house is built. By understanding, this house is uh, established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And I think we've talked about it here on G220 Radio when it comes to blessings that we receive from God, right? We're always very careful because of the uh, abuses in some charismatic churches that put an emphasis on the material blessings or or financial blessings, or physical blessings. They put an emphasis on those things. And so often, we who are more maybe conservative when it comes to the Word, maybe more reformed uh, when it comes to the Word of God, tend to be careful and cautious, right? But we should not uh, neglect or, or think that God does not bless His people. Because he does bless his people, right? Uh, so having some wealth or having things that is achieved by wisdom, by, by right means to provide for your family, to, to build your home, to, to fill your home with these precious um, riches and, and pleasant riches is not a bad thing. And if God is giving you uh, the means to do those things, um, then consider those things a blessing. Consider them a joy because it says they're pleasant riches, right? It's that we always have to be on guard and make sure that our hearts are guarded, that we don't make those things idols. Like in the, you know, some of those charismatic uh, movements where it's health, wealth, and prosperity, those things become idols to the individual. 
they seek those things rather than seeking Christ and, and exercising and, and, and seeking the, the wisdom of God in, in how to manage your household, how to manage your wealth um, for the glory of God. And so it's important to, to remember, though, that, that God does give his children good gifts. And you shouldn't feel guilty or, 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 or feel bad if God has blessed you. But also remember, um, as we see in the scriptures, to be one who is a servant, who, who's willing to serve and, and um, to seek the benefit of others as well. Because oftentimes when God is blessing us, it is for the benefit of providing for our homes, but also for the benefit of providing for the body of Christ and those who may have have needs. All right. So so some some other um, things here when it comes to this. Uh, when we think of of wisdom being the benefit here or when you you buy wisdom, build this house, this benefit of a house being built. Again, as I said, it, it, it does include material provisions uh, in addition to a blessed family life, as I said. Um, but these means by which these things are received, again, is by wisdom. It's by understanding. It's by knowledge. It's not by doing the mischievous ways to acquire these things. We see that contrasted in, in Proverbs and other places. Uh, if you go back and look at uh, some of the past episodes in which we, we did discuss these things. So when we, when we think about this as well, we think about uh, this wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Uh, these are synonyms for one another here in this verse. Um, this is uh, conceivably a, a literal dwelling place. I'm just looking at some other notes here to add to this. Uh, wisdom is used in all Old Testament to mean the skill of craftsmen and builders. Um, let's see. Uh, we see that in Exodus 36, 1. Uh, these would then be the wealth gained through wisdom, but house also can, can also mean the family, uh, as in a household or dynasty, uh, like we see in second Samuel seven, 11 through 12. Uh, in this case, the treasures would be the wealth of human relationships as well as legitimately achieved prosperity. So this is just a, another commentary I'm looking at, and these are the, the notes there. Uh, so again, this we, we want to be aware that God does bless His children, and we shouldn't uh, uh, neglect or try to push those things off because of the abuses that are out there. Like I said, we, we've talked about this many times on on G220 Radio. There are many out there that claim the name of Christ that abuse Scripture for their own gain, for their own benefit, and so then we want to be careful when it comes to Roman Catholicism and Mary. Um, they highly exalt Mary. And so many Protestants have a very low view of Mary. But we should look at what the scriptures say. She's, she's highly favored. She was blessed among women. And so we shouldn't re reject that and, and, and act as if um, God does not record her in that way in the scriptures, right? But we also shouldn't go to the extreme and elevate her as if, she is a, a co-matriot, a co-co. Uh, um, uh, co, co, uh, what how do they say that matrix? Um, 
mediator. And so she's not another mediator with Christ. We shouldn't elevate her to that, that status. And so it is important that we, we do things rightly. And the same thing when it comes to blessings, when it comes to a prosperity or, or health, your healing, um, or, or the spiritual uh, growth. We should thank God for those things in our lives. So verses 5 and 6, verses 5 and 6. It says, a wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. So a wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. A wise man. Again, this, this call to be wise, to, to live in such a way that you are seeking wisdom, and ultimately the wisdom that is found in God, which Christ is the power and wisdom of God. And so we're, we as Christians want to seek Christ. We want to, we want to seek God and we want to find the wisdom that he gives to us through the scriptures and, and leads us into more truth. Uh, we want to lean upon the Lord in prayer when we're seeking um, some, some big decisions, some, some things in which we have to make uh, decisions upon maybe some financial things or maybe some some family matters. We need to be seeking the wisdom of God in our lives uh, because, again, a wise man is full of strength and a man of knowledge enhances his might. And you think about that when you would, would, would be going out to war, as it says in verse 6, for by wise guidance you can wage your war and in abundance of counselors there is victory. So consider those who are preparing for a battle. If you just rush off into a battle without sitting down and seeking wise counsel, you're foolish. Because you may have an idea in your head of what you want to get accomplished going into a battle or making a decision about something. And if you don't sit down where there's counselors and, and, and get counsel and have others give you an insight into some things that maybe you're not seeing, uh, it can be a very uh, devastating, right? Because you're not, again, seeking seeking counsel. Let me see here. Trying to keep track of a couple different things here all at one time. So, so yeah, so let me look at some of these other uh, translations here for verses... Uh, five and six, just to give you a little more insight to how it is laid out. It says, a wise man is strong. This is King James Version. Yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by wise counsel they shall make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. See, there is safety. Uh, the NLT says over here, verses five and six, says the wise are mightier than the strong and those who are uh, those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors, many advisors. Think of Solomon's um, son, Solomon's son, who um, was given advice by some older um, wise counsel and he rejected it and took the counsel of these young men who he was uh, well known with or, or that were well known to him 
and he took their counsel and put more of a burden on the people. And look at what happened in that situation, right? You want to have wise counsel because, again, there is safety and security in that. And so it is uh, it is important. Let's see here in some of my notes, um, writing here, the, the source of truth strength is found in wisdom. Uh, by implication, strength and might apart from wisdom will be uh, ineffective, will be ineffective. Uh, wise guidance is obtained through consultation uh, with an abundance of counselors. Uh, it is a key to victory, uh, whether in war or in any circumstances that requires might and power. Wisdom carefully acquired and applied is the means of success in, in life. And we've talked about the book of Proverbs here as being practical wisdom in which we can apply. We can apply this. Even an unbeliever, if they were to apply the practical wisdom from Proverbs, they would benefit from that. Ultimately, the, the, we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ because even if you benefit from being wise with your finances, being wise in the decisions you make with your family as an unbeliever, ultimately when you die, you die apart from Christ and you still have to face the wrath of God. But there's practical wisdom here in the Proverbs uh, in the word of God, that if, if an unbeliever applied these things, they're going to have success in many of the areas of their lives that they are applying it, right? And also, we did say this with, with the book of Proverbs. It is not uh, uh, like when it says, uh, when you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he will not depart, right? It's not a 100% solid, that's what's going to happen. But the practical wisdom says when you do these things, there's a higher there's a higher chance that these that that your child is going to walk that way, right? Um, not that these are guaranteed. These are practical wisdoms that again can be applied. All right. So verses uh, verse seven. Let's look at verse verse seven here. It says, "Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate he does not open his mouth." So wisdom is too high for a fool. It's the title of our program here tonight. Uh, we look at the, the NLT and it says, uh, verse 7, wisdom is too lofty for fools. Among leaders at the city gate, they have nothing to say. Nothing to say. And when you go back to the first uh, couple of verses that we talked about, someone who's constantly talking, constantly getting themselves in trouble, always has something to say, always thinks they're the wiser, um, and always causing trouble with their tongue, just constantly going and going and going. Multitude of words, there's going to be some folly. Uh, there's going to be trouble. They're stirring up strife. They're causing issues, right? But it says wisdom is too high for a fool. So wisdom is too high for this type of individual that is constantly, and, and I've seen this in conversations with some very well-educated young men and women at college campuses that, you know, they know mathematics, they know um, their biology, they, they know um, many things that they've studied. They've studied history, and they think because they have an academic um, understanding or knowledge of things that they've been taught, that they're up here. And Christians are down here and, and are just dumb. They only believe in this, this book, you know, this Bible that's been written by men. 
Um, and, and they don't really have intelligence as these young men and women on these college campuses do. That, that's how it comes off often when engaging with some of these, these individuals. But when wisdom is applied, it's too high for a fool. And in the gate, he does not open his mouth. And, and I've watched, I've, I've been in conversations with individuals where you're applying godly wisdom and, and holding them accountable to the things that they are saying. And in conversations where I've watched other individuals doing these same things, and I've watched the mouths of these fools, we'll say, because that's what the scripture is talking about here. It's too high for a fool or closed because they couldn't say anything. And when it speaks about um, uh, wisdom is too high for a fool in the gate, he does not open his mouth. You think about in this time frame, in this period, that people would go to the city gates where they would do business, where they would interact. It was the public, public space, the marketplace of ideas, so to say. And so people would come here and they would do business. They would talk the news. They would, you know, everything was taking place. Transactions and all such were taking place there. <coughs> but when, when wisdom is applied and it's too high for the fool and their mouth is closed, they don't open it. They don't talk. Because they can't, they're confounded, right? As the scriptures say, you know, that, that he confounds them. And he takes that which is foolish to the world and makes it wise, right? And so it's so important to, to think about these things and consider these things as we're looking through, through Proverbs here. Uh, let's see, did I read? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So this too high, uh, looking at this commentary over here, it says, wisdom is out of a fool's reach since he is unteachable. And the gate, as I was mentioning, it says in Israelite society, the traditional meeting place for counsel and judgment was the town gate. So this is where they would come, come together. All right, verses eight and nine, it says, whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of folly is sin and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind, an abomination to mankind. Uh, the NLT says in verse 8 and 9, it says, A person who plans evil will get a reputation as a troublemaker. The schemes of a fool are sinful. Everyone detests a mocker. So again, these people begin to show this reputation Right as it says here, they they're 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 a person who is plan plans evil, and they have a reputation for being a troublemaker. Now I know that the world likes to say Christians that are bold about their faith are troublemakers. Sometimes even Christians will say, "Oh, those Christians or that individual is a troublemaker because he's bold about his faith and he says things and and he he doesn't hold back." Sometimes the harsh things that need to be said, but we want to be careful that we don't we don't just uh, think that of our brothers and sisters who are speaking harsh because sometimes there's a need for harsh talk, harsh words, harsh uh, rebuke on on individuals, um, not to be coddled and catered to, 
Right now we live in a world where a lot of these young people feel entitled. They don't need someone to come along and, and cater to them and coddle them. They need someone to come along and say, stop being foolish. Stop being uh, ridiculous with your thinking, thinking that you, a, a boy, can be a girl and your girl can be a boy and so forth and say that's nonsense. Enough of that. Repent. Turn to Christ. And, 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 and being um, upfront and honest with individuals when they are in this type of folly. But it says, whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. This is someone who's building this reputation of a troublemaker, a schemer. Uh, as it says here in this commentary, um, it says they'll be known as a schemer. Reputation in a society carries great weight. The prospect of being known as antisocial can be a strong deterrent against evil doing. Right? It says also that the schemes of folly are sin. It is possible that this saying is a unit with verse 8. Folly here is not a light thing. It is seen as rebellion against the order which God has established in his revelation. Uh, there is also a social sanction of being detested by society, right? And so you think about it. As I was talking about the, just the, 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 the madness that is in our society today, I mean, abortion, LGBTQ agenda, right? Politicians running amok and, and, and being vile and wicked. And, and there's just so much when we look around and think everything's getting bad and getting worse in our country, in our society. Um, but wisdom, wisdom is what we need to apply as Christians and walk out in that wisdom, right? Not in the folly because we don't want to be conjoining ourselves or joining ourselves, I should say, with those who plan to do evil, those who are schemers, who are always troublemakers. We don't want to do that. Like you go back to verse, verse one here. We don't want to envy these wicked men. We don't want to be a company or a companion of fools. We don't, we don't want to follow in with the, the ridiculousness and the evil schemes of those in this world. We want to walk in righteousness. We want to walk in wisdom. Right. And so there's 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 that call as the writer of Proverbs constantly calls us back to wisdom, to applying these things, to be righteous, to live according to God's standards, not not our own standards, but God's standard. Um, verse 10, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So although it's framed in, as this observation, uh, this is actually an exhortation for the reader to show himself strong and courageous in times of adversity. When you think about adversity and we think about um, what we see in the lives of people like Job, like Isaiah, right? The character of a person is shown during their times of struggle, of trials. James tells us to count it all joy when you fall into various types of trials and tribulations because it produces steadfastness. That suffering produces something within us. And, we, and, and God, who knows all things, 
he's not doing it so he can see what's going to happen to us. He's doing it because then we can look and reflect and see how our character is is responding our our integrity is responding to these trials and and suffering that is happening around us and God is using it to produce in us a patience a steadfastness a maturity in Christ and so we we see that through that so if you faint in the day of adversity your strength is small it's small so we don't want to to um faint the the NLT says if you fail under pressure, we don't want to fail. We don't want to fail in our walk with the Lord. But again, it's not in our strength, not in our might. We rely upon God. We seek the wisdom of God. We, 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 we lean upon God. We stay in prayer, in the word, and we seek his wisdom, right? Because we don't want to fail in that day. We don't want to faint when adversity comes. Um, and that is what we see is these, these, these at times, testings. For us, how will we respond in that day when we experience trials and tribulations? Now, I know to to some degree we've all experienced types of trials and tribulations. And depending on your eschatology, you know, um, when we we look around and we see the things in our our society that look grim, it's easy to think, man, you know, like it's going to get bad. Persecution is going to come and, and it's just going to be bad here. And it may be. But how will we respond in that adversity? Will we faint? Will we fail? I pray that we will stay grounded in Christ, in prayer, in his word, and lean upon him to give us the boldness, to give us the grace to give us the courage to endure trials and sufferings because it is only by his grace that we would continue to walk through those things in him, right? All right, verses 11 and 12. Man, we're going to get done here early tonight, which is good because I had a long day today at work, and so therefore that'll give me some extra time to get some more sleep, uh, more rest or some downtime. Um all right, so rescue those. Now watch, we go like another 30 minutes with these two verses. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Well, so rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? So when you think about this, this rescue the perishing, rescue those who are being taken away to death. When I read this and putting some notes together and and looking at these different translations, um, I thought about abortion. I thought about the babies that are being murdered through abortion, because that's what it is. It's murder. And I thought about how often we, as a uh, as a church, have looked at the pro-life movement and maybe give given some money to pro-life um, uh, organizations, supported pro-life bills, and 
kind of then like wash our hands and say, hey, I'm, I'm doing my part. But then I, I think about this is rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know. It's like, hey, I, I did these things. So I know some, but I don't I don't really get that involved. I don't really seek to know what I probably should know about these organizations. Because we shouldn't be, as Christians, we shouldn't be supporting legislation and bills written by pro-life organizations and pro-life politicians that regulate the murder of babies. It's like saying, God, I know you say thou shalt not murder. I know that it's wrong. Um, these are things that you hate. This is an abomination to you uh, to shed innocent blood. And yet, if we compromise a little, we'll save some lives. Rather than saying, no, we are seeking to, to end this. We're not going to regulate it and say, okay, let's let's regulate it and see how far we can get when we keep doing that. Uh, no, we should say no. As Christians, we should stand up and say, no, we're not voting for politicians who say one thing, but then don't actually follow through with the things that they say. I'm not voting for you. But we don't do that, right? We don't. That's why there's still abortion in this nation. But it says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. It doesn't really go into detail here as, as to... Um, why they're being taken away to death. Like I said, which came to my mind was abortion. But it says these who are being taken away, we, we should seek justice, biblical justice. We should be those who are seeking for it as Christians and standing up for it, holding back those that are stumbling to the slaughter. Right? Well, you think about evangelism. You think about going out and, and, and I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Spurgeon. I, I don't remember. Somebody said something along the lines of, you know, I'm going to do everything I can that these to, to hold back these dead bodies. They're going to have to step over my body to continue to go on to hell because I'm going to do everything I can to tell them about Jesus, to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. Right now, ultimately, God is sovereign. God is in control. And, and this isn't me trying to uh, guilt trip you. I was wondering why my screen is changing colors over here. Not me trying to, to guilt trip you. Oh, it's this one. All right. Into sharing the gospel. But we should have a desire. We should have a compassion for those who are lost. That we would share the good news with them. That we would tell them about Jesus. That we would hold them back from the slaughter. You think about, again, going back to abortion. When we stand at abortion centers and we are preaching the gospel, calling out to mothers not to murder their child. We're trying to hold them back from the slaughter. And so we, we seek to rescue the perishing. And we can't say, behold, I didn't know. It's not an excuse. We can't use excuses. There's there's so much information at our fingertips these days that you can learn things. There's so many great ministries out there that you can learn from. And then we have the word of God, the wisdom of God, 
that should be our final authority. And so we, we shouldn't say, I don't know where I stand on this, you know, when it comes to the LGBTQ movement and wanting to, to pass in which they have many states, you know, um, legalizing homosexual marriage, which really isn't marriage, but legalizing it in, in, in so many states. And then and, and we say as Christians, no, we should oppose that. We shouldn't vote for candidates who promote it and push it and platform it. Those things should be done. We can't say, well, we didn't know. Can't use that as an excuse. Because it says, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? And does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? God knows. So here, um, for these last two two verses, let me see here this uh, commentary's notes. Get over here. It says these two verses must be taken together. Uh, we cannot use the excuse of ignorance to avoid the responsibility to help another in need. We can't use ignorance to avoid that responsibility. Um, God watches over the interest of the needy and perceives our failures to act to help them. Uh, let me see here in, in um, there's notes here. It says, uh, this further expands the call from verse 10, which was, if you faint in the day of the adversary, your strength is small. So don't do that, right? But rescue those who are being taken away to death. It says, to act with strength of character amid difficulty. Amid difficulty. So Proverbs calls the righteous to integrity of character, to protect justice proclaims the benefits of wisdom and warns against living as if such things are unknown and do not matter. This is what we see in Proverbs, right? This is a theme continuously through this practical wisdom that we, we read throughout the, the book of Proverbs. Claiming ignorance of a widely known evil, take abortion, LGBTQ, claiming ignorance of these things, is no excuse for not rescuing the victims of slaughter. For God knows the true coordinate, uh, condition of the heart. The one who embraces wisdom can never be content with merely seeking the well-being of himself or of his family. He will also seek justice as widely as he can. And we do know that God will repay a man according to his work. So we should seek justice, but know that ultimately God is a just judge of the universe and he will do right. But that should not be an excuse for us to sit back and say, well, God's going to do these things so we can just relax and let God handle it. But God's going to handle it, but we are the means by which God seeks to bring about the kingdom in this world. The kingdom grows and advances because God uses his people. You think about evangelism. The, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. How does someone hear if there's not a preacher, Romans 10 says? How will they preach if there's no one sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we as Christians are the means by which God uses to bring about 
this gospel to the world that changes hearts and brings people into the kingdom of God. So we can't we can't say that we are uh, just ignorant of these things. We can't say that we don't know. That's why we need to seek the wisdom of God. As a Christian, um, you know, we should not be so bogged down with everything in the world, but we should know what's going on around us in our society, in our culture, so that we can respond in the way in which God would 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 deem us to respond. God would would want us to respond through his word as Christians to stand against the injustice, to stand against the evil that is there. To to take a stand, to be bold for Christ. It would be important for us to to consider these things as we think about as we think about the the wisdom that God has put forth to us in his word. So We've got a lot going on this this month here on G220 Radio. Um, coming to a close here now. Uh, we've got a couple more programs on Proverbs. We'll go through the rest of this chapter in two more episodes and close it out. And then we're going to look at the, the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. It's something we have not done here on G220 Radio, but we're going to go ahead and look at the resolutions, the 70 resolutions we're going to go through. In, in three different episodes, little short series, uh, and, and kind of go through them, read them, and, and talk about them, discuss them, and, and how that could benefit our own lives. Uh, these resolutions that were written hundreds of years ago, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, an American theologian um, of the, the First Great Awakening. And so there, there's so much we can probably glean from that. So we're going to do a show on that. And then we're going to talk about the woman at the well in the middle of uh, January. Uh, the woman at the well, that account in scripture. Um, so we've got a, a full packed lineup to come here on G220 Radio. Hopefully um, Mike will be with us next time and we can continue this. Because it is a little awkward because like I'm, I've moved my mic so that I can kind of keep it out of the way and I can see. But then the way that I'm hearing, I'm, I'm not sure if it's loud enough. I can't really tell. And I don't want to turn up the uh, uh, certain certain knobs here because then it picks up everything. So it's a little awkward. I'm, I feel a little out of place tonight because I'm trying to hear it, trying to make sure it's going through. And, yeah, I just feel a little out of place because I don't have any feedback um, as far as whether or not someone can hear me uh, or that it's coming in clear or too loud or what it sounds like. I don't know. Um, and so uh, – but anyways, that's what we've got coming up on G220 Radio. Like I said, I'm a bit tired tonight, and I'm kind of end the show a little bit earlier, about 10 minutes early. But still, um, hopefully this was uh, edifying, encouraging, challenging, something to think about and consider. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that is g220radio at gmail.com. And, uh, we would love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts on possible episodes of G220 Radio, um, again, you can email us and shoot us your suggestions. So until next time, though, that's been G220 Radio. God bless and good night.